Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we leave the Yakuza and become a house husband and experiment with some vocals. That's right. And we're here in one piece, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for the most part. And today we're going to talk about Way of the House Husband. So Way of the House Husband is a action comedy slice of life, which... I pretty much agree with. It was written by, it seems like Kasuke Uno, but we'll find out here. Translation. Ono Kosuke. Well, they always say it backwards, or we're saying it backwards. Well, I think in Japanese, they, they go by the last and then first, I think. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Oh, like me. Anyway, so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this is the way it sounds like an American. Kosuke Uno. <laughs> Kosuke Uno. Yeah, yeah. Do I sound bored like her? Kosuke Uno. Uno. <laughs> it was released February 23rd of 2018, and it's still going on. It's seven volumes. There is actually a live-action television drama, and that was released in October 11th of 2020. It went till December of 2020, and it is 10 episodes. Where would I find a live-action TV drama. You're gonna have to Google that. Okay, it's not like on Funimation. Doesn't well, do we could find out. Hold on here. Let me look. I'm just curious though, because this one is the one that's most intriguing to see live action. Possibly. It might be better in live action, to tell you the truth. I feel like a campy fun show is gonna translate better into live action than a drama. We might have to experiment with watching. Yeah, some of these I wouldn't mind TV doing dramas. that. Uh, let's see. It looks like you could watch it on YouTube. Okay. There's got to be another way to watch it, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could find it. All right. The anime was released April 8th of 2021, and it's still going. And there's five episodes right now, but there's going to be another five soon. They went ahead and okayed it. It's a pretty funny little series. There is this guy named Tatsu, and he was in the Yakuza, and he was known as the Immortal Dragon. And all we know is he was a badass, and he fought off other gangs single-handedly, supposedly. And he's pretty much a legend in the gangs because he was such a badass. And all of a sudden, he just disappeared, and nobody knows what happened to him. Lo and behold, he falls in love with some girl, and he marries her, and becomes a house husband. 
And so he, he he supports her in every way he can by like cooking her meals, cleaning the house. And he kind of sees her as like a boss or totally he will take things really seriously. Like he will make sure she's always protected and trying to go out of his way to make her happy. Well, family's like his new turf. Like gangs have like, right, like turfs. And so like now his family is his turf. So he has this really like, protective, like you said, an intensity to to working for her. Her name, I think is Miku. Yeah. And she's a badass too, actually, <laughs> which is really funny. But they never explain how she found him or how they met or anything. All I know is they're married and... Yeah, she's a badass. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, she works overtime. She's got a lot of stuff going on with work. She's like real high powered. And the episodes just begin in their life. There's no real like strong backstory of explaining things. It's not like it's starting chronologically even. You're getting like flashes here and there because he's running into people from his past. And they're like, boss, boss, where have you been? And he's like wearing an apron with a Shibu Inu dog on it. <laughs> so weird. You know, like really intense about like the prices of things at the grocery store and um, oh, getting God. good deals. And... I love it when he gives them this look and it seems like there's going to be some type of violence going on and it darkens. Like, oh my God, that's just disgusting or what's going to happen? Like some type of gang movie. But then they're like fighting over prices of a sponge or some food or something. Yes. And he's like <laughs> to one of them because he's really intimidating looking still. And he's like... Where's the good stuff? The white powdery stuff. And the woman's like, what? And then his wife's like, he means flour. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like really good at cooking. He makes wonderful meals and tea. And he's like so dedicated to it. It's like his new passion. And it's just silly because then he's running into like ex-gang members and other ones who've gone out of prison, but now like run a crepe cart. Oh, that one's so funny. So random. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. And they have like a crepe off and whoever has the most likes or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like weird side stories with the cat. Like he has a house cat and the cat will go on its own little weird adventures talking to other animals and stuff. And that's really silly too. Oh my God, that's so good. It, it's funny because it, it shows like which episode you're on and everything, but I, I don't even think it's real really because it goes like, episode 20 and then it's like wait what this is still the first episode i thought or something yeah and it and i don't know it's just super silly and doesn't take itself seriously but it's very funny because it's very smart like it's the same kind of gag all over because it's like him being really like you know intense doing housework but for some reason it's continually funny because he got a roomba and he like, you know, just like talking to the Roomba as if it was a new gang member on his team. <laughs> and he's like, boss lady's going to be here. <laughs> it's going to be clean. So it's always funny. Something about it's always funny to me. It's surprising. Yeah, it's a really, it's always funny. And like someone will try to rip him off, like selling some knives or something like that. And he opens the door with a knife and his hands are all bloody and shit. It's really good. His intensity, there's also a kindness because then people don't want to rip him off because his food is so delicious. It sends them to like this other place. Like a couple of people, I'd like they went to like these fantasy places when they ate the food he cooked and like her parents, I think, were trying to connect with him <laughs> to play ball. But he kept fetching the ball instead of 
like throwing it back. Like he's so yeah, funny. Yeah, and yeah, Tatsu's been in the gang forever. He's probably born into a gang or whatever. I guess the way a lot of the gang members become Yakuza is they're in the lower end of Japan. They're just kind of like trash or whatever. And then the Yakuza picks them up because they have really nowhere else to go. So he was probably in the gang forever. So he doesn't know how to really act in a real world, but he's trying really hard. And even Miku sees that too. Sometimes she's like, God, you're such a creep. But then why did they get married in the first place? That's what I don't know. And at one point she's like, he's not as bad as when I first met him. And they'll flash back and he's covered in tattoos. He's got the huge dragon tattoos on his back and his arms and his chest and stuff. And he's all like beat up looking and bloody. So I'm like, I hope in the next episodes they'll dive in a little bit of how they met or what got him out. And um, I don't know, I'd be interested in seeing that. Right. The anime is really funny, but the animation, I didn't notice it until I saw it a second time. It's pretty much like panels from the manga, and it's like always just panning left to right with the lips kind of moving in a way. So you kind of got to get over it, or you just kind of brush over it or whatnot. It's like a simple style or something. Yeah, it's a very simple style. If you watch it now again, now I told you about it, you'll notice it. I'll notice. I like it. I like it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the story, the comedy, it makes it good. It was needed. It's a really good laugh. So, and it's only five episodes. So it's, yeah, it didn't get old. They're short episodes too. It felt short, right? Yeah, they're very short. And on Netflix, so they just roll right through. It's yeah, awesome. It's 16 <laughs> to 19 minutes there. Yeah, so. so there are really many episodes, and they're really, really fun. And um, he has, like, a sidekick from his gang days that reunites oh with him. So God. They have a funny relationship because <laughs> the sidekick is still acts like a sidekick, you know, like, obeying him. Like wanting to be obedient to him, but it's now it's in the housework world <laughs> instead of the gang world. They're cooking food and everything, and he's like, "What the f- is going on here?" <laughs> but then he's trying to just understand. Yes. Oh, what about when he sings "Happy Birthday" to himself? It's oh, <laughs> "Happy Birthday <laughs> to Me." <laughs> yeah, it was so creepy, and everybody's just like, "What the <laughs> hell is going on?" Yes. But and his what's his wife obsessed with some uh, some anime or something? Oh of, yeah, um, right. She's an otaku duo or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. She's really into this series, <laughs> and it really looks funny. like either a TV show or an anime of like these two police ladies or something like women or something like that. And it was so funny because one of the dolls got broken by a child he was babysitting and he's like, so my boss told me it's always buried the evidence. And he like buried the doll. I cannot stop laughing. (laughs) so dumb. (laughs) Oh no. You know what my favorite, favorite, favorite episode was, was when he did yoga and he was like doing these poses and they were like, what does this remind you of? And he's like, "Um, this is, (laughs) <laughs> bullets straight to the head. <laughs> <laughs> Toss the body in the trunk or something. Like yes, or um, messed up really bad and lost my pinky pose. <laughs> right. Like, what? Uh, it was hilarious. They're like, um, okay, maybe you don't share. <laughs> it's all these women. He's around other housewives. So I just thought that was funny. Oh, God, I, it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to get the yoga poses. They were really funny. I don't know what else to really say about it. I mean, I love the series. Just like you got to get past the simple animation. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to the other five. <laughs> yeah, simple animation. 
animation and no real, like, you're not going to have a strong sense of what <laughs> went on. It's just like you land there. It's like you just accept that he was in the Yakuza and now he is married and he's a house husband. And then it's just kind of his adventures through the day. So you're not, at this point, there's not like deep backstories or anything like that. Definitely. And my other question is, it's like, they're married, but she really loved I, I don't know. She loves him, obviously. And they're together. But then at the same time, he takes his being a house husband so serious that at times it's just like she's trying to make him stop doing being that. And so there is that dynamic in a way. Yeah, and she works so much. So I feel like she's just kind of stressed. I think he was trying to de-stress her one oh, time. Oh, God, that was, that, one, that was so good. <laughs> I could not stop laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> or like when he's trying to go get these stamps to spin the wheel so it's for I can't remember like a, a new vacuum cleaner or a trip to Hawaii or something like that the way he was trying to get the stamps and stuff and it's like the little darkness in their eyes and everything and his wife's like looking and she's like what the f*** going on <laughs> <laughs> Or when he meets up with one of his crime bosses, but then they keep oogling dogs. Oh, like all these cute right. dogs keep coming up and it's so stupid. Like they're like talking like babies. He's like, I made him a little dog sweater. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden he flips out his phone and starts posting an Instagram and everything. It's just like, oh, like okay. Like with the dog. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. They are human even though they are in the gangland and everything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it is really, really funny. Totally recommend it. It's five episodes. I made me laugh out loud. So it was really needed and wanted. <laughs> Definitely. I agree. Anyway, so we'll be back in just a moment. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. M Network. And we are back, and we're going to talk about Meredith Monk, Book of Days. It was released 1990. It was recorded at Clinton Studios in 1989 in New York. Once again, another New York thing. The label was ECM News Series, and the producer was Manfred Etcher. And before that, it was DUB. And after that was Facing North. I tried to look up something on the album, and there's not really much on it. That's <laughs> surprising. I didn't look anything up. It's surprising because it's so cool, and there's videos. And I thought, is it a whole film? I think it is a film. Right? So there's a lot of film, or there's either a whole film about it or multiple pieces to a film with this set. 
sound. But when you look up Meredith Monk, Book of Days, right? It just brings mm-hmm. up an IMDb and then the Book of Days on Amazon Music. <laughs> That's so weird. So I don't remember much about it. This is one of those albums that I came across when people still went to music stores and looked at CDs. And I knew about Meredith Monk because I went to Mills College and she taught there at one point. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she made her rounds at Mills or visited guest professor or something. And so I learned about her in, oh, I took a class on dance, but like dance history and stuff like that. So she would was discussed because she was a dancer and she's a musician. So she's both. And that's why I really liked this album because I love, I should, we'll have to post it on our Instagrams and stuff. Maybe I'll figure out how to do that. But um, there's these crazy videos that go along with it. They're super cool. Um, and it's dancing kind of inner type stuff. So that was my draw. So I bought the album because I was like, oh, Meredith Monk, I've heard of her. And I fell in love with this album sound-wise, but this is years ago, so I wanted to revisit it. Yeah, so I'm showing you the wiki. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. There's nothing else. Oh, that's so sad. I'm sure there's a good story behind it about what it's about and her history. She does have a good history, but I wanted to know more about the album and stuff because it looks like she has done quite a bit of vocal work. Uh Uh-huh. I saw her live once. Oh, did you? It was amazing. It was like at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. It wasn't that big of a theater and um, it's her and I don't know, this had to be like six or seven years ago and her crew or whatever ensemble. And I can't remember all of it, but I just remember being like amazed because it's all voices and then the lights and like how they do the sets and everything. And so I guess she is an actual composer. You said that already. And she's worked alongside with Bjork, Terry Riley and DJ Spooky. Oh. They've used some samples. Yeah, I mean, she is pretty well known. She's received uh, a tit. I didn't want to say that one. The Domino Stratos International Award for Music Experimentation. In September 10th of 2015, she received the National Medal of Arts from Barack Obama. The highest honor, of course. She's done quite a bit, said at least. Yeah, she worked on movies and all sorts of, and I'm pretty sure one of her stories of being young is her mom was a singer and worked in doing jingles. And she would hear the same repetitive jingles as a kid. I think that's what happened at one point. Cause I feel like that was like, oh, no wonder (laughs) that she was always playing with voice and repetition. Yeah. Her mother was a uh, musician under the stage name Audrey Marsh. She was a daughter of other professional musicians, too. (laughs) Her career. A lot of music on her mom's side. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really an interesting album. I just went in headfirst, and all of a sudden I noticed that the vocals were on the right side only. And I was like, well, what the f***? And then something else comes on the other side and (laughs) stuff like that. The production is pretty well. It's pretty clean sounding. I'm kind of curious to see the film that goes along with it. I just listened to the album. Now, did you watch it or no? I've only seen parts on YouTube. Like, I'll find scenes of it. (laughs) This is off topic, but did she do a film art thing called 16 millimeter earring? Yeah, 16 millimeter earrings. It's at the top. It's like super old. 
That is genius. It's from 66. It's one of the most genius things I've ever seen. There's like weird projections. There's weird sound and the visuals. It's really amazing. So I also recommend that. Like going back and seeing where experimental art and music and sound come from. It's Meredith Monk. (laughs) It's like she's a powerhouse. But this one, I don't know if you want to talk about if any of them stood out to you. I have favorites. So... I think it was one of them that stood out is Dawn. I really like Dawn. And by the way, this worked great with video games. It really set the tone. Because <laughs> that's how I was listening to it. And it does sound like a soundtrack. So when you do listen to it, there is like a story type sound to it. That's funny. Yeah, it is good to listen to in the background. As a whole album to it, it goes together. This could be like a precursor to like, I mean, if you're going to go into like the goth stuff and everything, it could be the precursor into like Dead Can Dance because yeah. like Dead Can Dance, they have like more of like a full vocals and like orchestrated stuff here and there, but they kind of keep it within this specific thing in a way, which I bet you they were inspired by them. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, like I wonder how far Meredith Monk's reach is because she's so experimental early on and in New York. And so I wouldn't be surprised what other musicians she came across and was working with and inspiring. I like this random song on, not random, none of them all goes together, but Dusk, I liked a lot Dusk too. is really good, yeah. And that says it's with Meredith Monk and Wayne Hankin, so...
That's pretty cool. Wayne Hankin, like, just got curious about him a little bit, and I guess he's also a conductor and composer, and I can't tell if he's alive or dead. Once again, the Wikipedia is all f***ed up. <laughs> but there is some information. I mean, he's worked with Wayne Hankin. He's performed in New York, and he's done quite a bit of music, actually, too. I mean... Even to today, he did some music for Breaking Bad, Resident Evil Apocalypse, The Disney Princess, and Enchanted Tales, Book of Days, of course, Titus. So he's been doing it, too. Yeah, it even said he was in Cirque du Soleil as himself. That's pretty interesting. So that's interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and working with speech therapy. Yeah, for people with throat cancer. The annoying thing is, is I can't tell if he's alive, when he was born. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't really say that. So if he's a peer of Meredith Monk, but we don't know, he could be much younger or older than her. She's in her late 70s now, so. But he's still doing it. Go team. But that was a good collaboration. If they collaborated on that piece, I love it. I think it's just a classic eternal sound. It's kind of interesting, too, because when you look at the filmography or whatever, it shows Book of Days and then about 12 years later, he was a musician in Titus. And the other weird thing is he has a bunch of uncredited things, too, even though it shows what he did. It kind of trips me out. <laughs> yeah, like, why is it all uncredited? But I guess maybe they don't name every single musician. Rude. <laughs> yeah, if they did, they would get a mark, and that means all of a sudden they start getting paid for that instead of, like, a studio oh. thing. And then even looking at the Book of Days, it says that he's a traveling musician. So maybe he is in the film as well. He is. This is filmography. Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, so he's in the film. So I wonder if he helped create that song because he's listed on the song in the... Um... Right. <sighs> I love that song. I love it. Another song I really like is Evening. So... That's really cool, too. Yeah, and it keeps going and mixing. And what's interesting is she's not saying any words. Like, she chooses just a few sounds and then keeps playing with them in the songs. So that's, like, what you'll notice. And then other songs will have more than one voice. I think this one eventually is two, whether it's her looped or not. I don't know. But some of the other ones has more voices. Okay, so I'm looking at her discography. She has quite a bit of different... Albums. She has a single with Vanessa 
Wagner and Wilhelm Latchkum. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it's called Alice Island. Oh, that was that. Was that also another film, or was that the album before? Oh, I, I uh, is it? Let's look at right here. <laughs> She's just so cool. Like I think everyone should know who she is. She's like a music legend and an art legend. She's been able to combine music, dance, and film. Definitely. I want to play Ellis Island really quick to hear what it sounds like comparatively to what we've been listening to because it is the top song. It's got over a million plays on Spotify. Oh, cool. So let's hear this really quick. That's pretty interesting. And I was just looking at her Wikipedia a little bit more. I noticed that she's done some work for Star Trek. She's also <laughs> done. <laughs> so much. There's a song on here called Fear and Loathing in Gotham. And it's a Gotham lullaby. I'm assuming they mean Gotham City. And so that must mean it's like a Batman reference, right? Is it? Or it's just New York? I don't know. <laughs> Is there a Gotham in New York? Isn't that just what Gotham City is? <laughs> I thought it was just New York. I don't know. Well, obviously she plays piano. Does she play, also play piano as well, right? But so that was with two other people too, though. So I'm not exactly sure if it kicks in with her vocals or she. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it if she's playing piano too. It sounded pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah. Once again, one of these like. Enigma is wrapped up into an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like you can just go down a rabbit hole with Meredith Monk's stuff. And I'm thinking I must have seen her around. I see one of her albums is Song of Ascension and it's 2011. So I don't know what I watched. I'll have to look up what <laughs> I saw at this at the Urban Buena Center for the Arts in San Francisco. It was so amazing. So I'll look it up and revisit that. But I just really loved Book of Days with something. And I'm, maybe she's sick of it because it's from the like, from 1990. Well, it seems like she definitely does do a lot of different things. I mean, keep yeah. going, keep doing it, make your music. And she is just keep going. I mean, she's in her late 70s and she's still producing. So it's cool to see that too as a creative person. Like you can just keep going. <laughs> yeah, she's 78. Yeah. Damn. So pretty cool. I think I saw her when she was 70. That's what I want to say. And then also, like I said, her really early work, 16 millimeter earrings is genius. And I just stress people find that on YouTube. I think it's not that long and you'll just see stuff that. I think you sent it to me, right? 
And I think I sent you something from Book of Days, but I'll send you that one too. Because it's, I don't know if people are into like experimental video work, but. Well, there's this one called Blueprint Overload, Blueprint 2, solo voice with an echoplex and tape. That might be pretty interesting. Echoplex is a tape delay. And that was when it was like becoming big. Ah, and that's like 1967 when she did that. So I'm really curious about that one just because of like I love echoplexes and tape delays. <laughs> nice. No, you see yeah, where I my loyalty is. <laughs> right. And you'll get inspired by the work she's done because it also you see where people have come from. You're like, oh, like she was bringing this stuff in the late 60s and then you know, these schools and these dancers came out of that and they were inspired by her. Definitely. And it seems like she did some voice work. It's called Juice, the Theater of Cantata for 85 voices. It has a juice harp and two violins. And intriguing. <laughs> it is intriguing work. And then, yeah, and I think she has a school where she trains people in the vocals. Yeah, she does definitely have a sweet voice. I wonder how she sounds now. Does she sound pretty spot on or? Yeah, definitely. And she had a whole ensemble. So it's like this play with voices that are so beautiful. So, and I was reminded about this because on Spotify, they recommended me to listen to, like they highlight different um, composers and she was one of the composers they were highlighting, which made me happy because I'm like, I hope everyone's being exposed to Meredith Monk's work. I don't know how you get all these crazy recommendations and I don't get <laughs> I don't know either. It's I barely so weird. know how Spotify works. Well, I will look up classical music, so I don't know if that's why. I don't know. Okay, I'm showing you my Spotify right now. Uh -huh. Go to home. At home. That's like yeah. stuff I've already listened to. Good afternoon. Recently played. And then they go from there. <laughs> oh, the ones they made for you. Recommended for today. But this is all like barring <laughs> that I've already listened to. Suggested artists. <laughs> Sonic Youth. MF Doom. Swans. I mean, this is all stuff I went through recently. Yeah, what's mine? <laughs> Does anyone tell you shows you might like? No. You see, like, mine's all f***ed up. Oh, more like Nine Inch Nails. It's just like, yeah, I know Filter, okay? <laughs> uh, come on. Mine's like, mine right now says more like Chibumatsu. <laughs> more like the birthday party. <laughs> I, That's what, what I think I'm into. More like Nirvana. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. More like David Bowie. <laughs> I don't need anything with David Bowie. Like yeah, I mean, I just don't get why my recommendations are so... But then I have Rock 1994 because they know I'm obsessed with Nirvana. <laughs> Unplugged, so they're probably trying to be like, listen to something else. And then I also have Riot Girls over the years. And I don't... But I don't have the composer thing again, but they give me other things to listen to. And my podcast. I only listen to Conan O'Brien, so... I got like this daily mix. I'm a little scared of looking at it right now. <laughs> no. You're all, though, I'm not getting, but yeah, I don't know where that came from, but I had a whole composers thing where it was like, check out these composers. But like I said, I go through periods of time of like looking up some classical music, like when I need oh, to focus okay. and I'm like, I want to listen to something, but I can't, you know, laugh the whole time or listen to music. I know the words too, or it'll distract me. So I look for like studying playlists of music and I've looked up composers. Okay. Suggested artists. Top is Death Grips. 
<laughs> and Sonic Youth, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, come on. I've been getting my bloody balance. I get a lot of early alternative right now. Melt banana. That looks kind of interesting. Melt banana's on there? Yeah. I, I have only that. listened to the one cover. Oh, I'm going to add that to my covers. <laughs> I'm making a covers playlist of my favorite covers. Oh, and Melt right. Banana has the best Beach Boys Surfing the USA cover. It's so good. Yeah. One of these days, we'll have to cover Smile by the Beach Boys. That was like one of the longest ever albums that ever was recorded and produced. How long is it? Well, it was never officially released. It started oh. like in the 60s and that poor guy, Brian Wilson, or he was just obsessed with the album and 30, 40 years later it was released. But 2004. Secretly. secretly. <laughs> 50, 18 songs. Yeah. 51 minutes. So it just took forever. That is a very sad story. His life is very sad. Yeah. And the crazy thing about that album was there was pieces of it, like Good Vibrations, came from that album. Oh. Like, so all these other albums came from that one album, but Smile is actually the one. And it, oh God, it's chilling to say the least we might have to add that to the list yeah see this is smile sessions it was finally released in 2011 oh is that another one because that's there's the just one smile in 2004 and then smile sessions is a playlist no smile sessions is actually the album that was released finally and it was like oh. this big thing and then 2004 i think is the one that brian wilson redid remembering how to dip play it and everything it's completely crazy so one of these days we'll have to cover it it's really like an interesting listen to say the least sounds good that'll be a fun one to go back to yeah anyway circle back to meredith meredith please do like um, (laughs) we did not do probably a great job of like dissecting book of days but it's more about meredith monk as a whole artist of just checking out her work and giving you a little sample of what it sounds like. I don't know if we did a good job on the samples. Maybe we should play one more. It's called Travelers 4 slash Churchyard Entertainment. That's pretty sick. It's more playful, the sound. Yeah, like you hear definitely. how different sounds. Like we picked kind of like mild, like kind of mellow ones to show at first, but it, it really adds up. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely check it out. And check out our catalog, actually. That's one thing mm-hmm. I'd recommend and see what you'd yeah, like. It's easy to find on Spotify. And then, like I said, you can find some of her video work and art on YouTube. So 
There's no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> Celebrate this a great American composer and artist. Yeah, she probably does deserve a lot more credit. And maybe one of these days she might do something that people will recognize, like a big movie or whatnot. You never know. She should have been part of something bigger. Um, she did come back over to Oakland to perform at Mills College, but I can't remember if that was the year before COVID hit or right when COVID was hitting and then it was canceled. I can't it remember. It looks like she released something called Memory Game in 2020. And so maybe that was during the time she came over to Mills College. Yeah, maybe. Definitely. Anyway, you could find me on all social medias under Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me as Sister Santos on Instagram. And it's, you know, it's private. Just request. I'll let you in. And then uh, on Spotify as I learn and create playlists. Very excited. <laughs> there we go. See you next time. <laughs>